Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is already the 22nd of October. It is Tuesday already. We're kind of crawling into the week. Um, Yesterday, about 11 o'clock in the morning, maybe before then, I think it was before then, even though on the news they said 11, I'm like home. And I hear all these helicopters overhead, like not just one, but helicopters. And I hear fire engines going by. And again, not just one. It was like nonstop. And I thought, oh, my gosh, somebody, they must be trying to catch somebody. Something must be going on. And there was a fire that made it to two miles from my home. And. All I could do is there were a couple things. One, thank God that I was home because I was gone all weekend. I went to an autism conference from Friday until Sunday, which was so crazy good. But I would not have been able to get home because I was like an hour and a half away from home. And the other thing was there was no wind yesterday. So they were able to get it out within like three or four hours. And thank God it was going uphill and in a dense terrain and didn't get homes. It was really close. But watching these helicopters come down and and all of that, but also that helpless feeling you get. But I did pack, and this is the funny thing, you know how you, you never know what you will pack. And the first thing I did was I took all my pictures are in crates. And, and, you know, if you're my age, you're going to have pictures, like actual pictures, because back in the day we, we had pictures. So I took all the crates of pictures and put them in the back of the car, and then I'm like, oh, my God, now what? And like I, I, was, I felt like I wanted to cry, and I, I didn't know what to do, and I'm going back and forth. And then after that, I'm like, well, what else do I take? And I'm I'm walking around the house and I go, oh, my God, I have two more books that I didn't publish. They're each in a box because I actually physically have to write. I know I can write and put it in, in the computer, but if I need to see text, I need to see it on paper. So I have two books that I wrote, and they're still sitting in the corner just because I don't have time. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to take those and put those in storage. And it started making me think of what to do. So that was just absolutely crazy. But everything's okay. I feel very grateful just to wake up and have an office and my computer and the desk. And that's something I should think about, which I did not. And that was to take the computer because all I could think, I didn't think clothes. I didn't think anything. I just thought pictures and books. So when you ask yourself what's most important, you find out in those moments. So I have to like actually the most important um, differently, maybe after after that, I need to think of other things. So, wow, that was just absolutely crazy. But I also got a question that I wanted to answer really quickly. I, I got a question in my um, inbox this morning about how many books did you sell 
And how many people listen to the radio? Over 100,000 people listen to this show. Just so you know, I can't believe it. And I can't let myself think about it because every time I'm talking on the show, I feel like I'm talking to my best friend on the phone. It's going to be weird doing the podcast where people could see me, although I started taping them just to practice doing them. And I do still get that feeling because I'm actually alone in a room. And um, I still feel that intimate feeling, but they've been telling me to do the podcast for a long time. And I didn't want to do them because I didn't know if I could feel as good as I feel when I do the radio. So I'm working on it, but I can't do it unless I feel this kind of freedom. And I'll forget that you could see me and that would make me feel better. But other than that, that's what, um, that's what it is. So how many books did we sell? I did a run of 3,000 books. We have just a handful of books left, and I'm very careful about giving them out. I know that sounds weird. They're like the rest of my last of my babies. But um, I also want to do Origins of Truth into three books, Truth, Love, and Purity, so that people can carry them around as a paperback. I've been asked that quite a bit. So I'm, I'm working on putting that together. And also the eBooks. Now that's where your sales are. And I believe it or not, get way bigger checks. And, and that, it, trust me when I tell you, there isn't much money to be made in books. You, you do a huge investment going in and then you get it back in like $3 and $4 and $3 and $4. But there's this one site called Book Baby where it's distributed internationally and there we're at about eight to ten thousand. And that's huge for someone like me because I'm virtually right now it's it's changing a little bit, but I think of myself as an unknown right now. So that's how that is looking. Um it's, it's, it's like this grassroots movement, and now all of a sudden it's accelerating very quickly. But also we are doing the whole branding thing and, and all of that because I realize we can help a lot more people. So the today's show, I'm sorry I took up time with all that. I just needed a friend this morning, but thank you very much. Um, today's show, using our weakness to create strength, is huge because we think of our weakness as weakening us like oh that's something I'm not good at that's something I can't do that's something other people do and yet we can do it why can someone else do it and we can't do it and understanding our weaknesses is all our weakness needs of us and from us There is a way out because once you do it, once where you have something you really believe you're weak at, whether it's math, whether you think I can never buy a house, it's going to be too grueling because nobody realizes until they buy a house what it takes to buy a house. Every single financial thing about you comes up. And every single financial thing about the buyer comes up. That's why they do pre-qualifying and all of that. But putting all that aside, 
it takes long. It could fall through at any time. It could fall through the day before it closes for some reason. There's all these things, but once you've done it, you can buy another house because now you know how. One of the biggest weaknesses I found out was the fear of fear, the fear of failure. I can't try that because I may not be good at it. Well, nobody's good at anything they haven't tried yet. So think of that one for a minute. Nobody is good at anything they haven't tried yet. But now I want you to go back and think of everything you have tried. You did pretty good, didn't you? And you made it through. But yesterday I was at a meeting last night and um, I went with someone who was speaking. And I love seeing speakers. I know I am one, but I love seeing people. I love that wealth of knowledge that lives in their body of work and their life and the stuff they think about every day. Because the stuff we think about every day, that 10,000 hours, they say, once you do something for 10,000 hours, well, these people have done it for 30,000 hours. And I'm listening and I'm fascinated by the human soul, by that wealth of knowledge that we are. There isn't anyone yet, good, bad, or indifferent, that I have met that has not taught me something. And the same is true for all of us. But when we look at life that way, we see the fascination of each other as opposed to what they don't do, what they didn't have, what they didn't pay attention to. It is fascinating. And he was the one who said that, our fear is really the fear of failure. If we can get over the fear of failure, that's where we can try new things. So I went to another source, Christ, of course. And I can talk about Christ straight-faced now. I know we have a lot of new listeners. But the fact that I saw Christ wasn't as big as what happened because I saw him. Because it definitely changes the trajectory of how you think. Because now you are forced, whether you like it or not, to talk out of the box. Just saying I saw Christ took me out of the box. And I was a a very comfortable in the box person because in the box, I was able to relate to a lot more people in the sense that I can complain and do a lot of things that I used to probably do and fight against. And now I don't do that because I know that that's not real for me anymore. But weakness, what did Christ say about weakness? As though we haven't said anything yet, but we did. Is to acknowledge our weaknesses. Just like we acknowledge our strengths. We know what we're strong in. We know what we're good at. But we have to have balance. So just like you make a list of your strengths, which I recommend you all do because you don't realize how strong you are. It's like if someone wrote a resume of your life, you won't remember all the great moments because we do look back at what was missing, what we didn't do, why we didn't do it. It just goes on and on how we do that to ourselves. However, 
Make a list of what you think are your weaknesses. Even if it is, I don't spend enough time with my spouse. I would have a better marriage if we had more quality time together. Or when I get upset, I don't talk. Well, how are you going to solve anything if you don't talk? And I'm one of those people. When I get upset, at first I'm in so much shock, I can't speak. I can't speak. So I always say to someone, I'm, I'm upset right now, but it's not upset like I'm upset at you. I am upset like something in me just upset itself because I don't understand what I feel about this yet other than my first gut feeling. But I have to see if I'm really balanced about how I want to talk about this instead of I'm mad at you. And I start screaming before I'm ready to talk. And then it becomes worse. We have the right to ask for time. But because I knew that was a weakness, I acknowledged the fact that I did it. I told people before we got mad that that's how I react. I can't help it, but my, my what is that, my return time? My coming back time after it is faster. It used to take me two or three days to, like, figure something out. Now I just need an hour away, two hours away from the misunderstanding or being upset because I have to think through how much of that is my baggage and how much of it is real. So just understanding that I have that weakness that I can't think fast enough on my feet when I'm upset is a way of acknowledging it. And then also to address the earliest time that you can remember it happening, that, that the birth of that weakness. When did you realize, oh, other people do that, but I don't? I remember when I was little, there was always this thing where I never felt like everyone else. And I thought it through because, you know, Christ is consistent. What he says today, he said 10 years ago. It's just that we understand it differently today because we've been hearing his voice for quite some time right now. It's been a long time because this year will be 18 years that I've seen him. But I went all the way back to Christmas time. When I was little, and I believed in Santa. But my family, being Muslim, never put up a tree, and I never got gifts. So when we would come back from our two-week Christmas break, everyone would talk about what they got for Christmas. And at that time, people didn't get like 10 or 20 things like they do now, and a bunch of little things and a big thing. Everyone just got like one thing, like they would get a bike or, you know, something of significance. I remember a family bought a, a new color TV, but <laughs> that also dates me. But stuff like that was what Christmas was like. So I would wonder why Santa always missed my house. I didn't understand the religious connotations yet, and I, I didn't know any of that yet because nobody ever talked about it. But at the same time, I kept thinking, 
every year that he would remember to come to our house. And then I realized you had to have a Christmas tree for him to come. So my sister and I went to the local drugstore and we bought such a small Christmas tree that we put on a table in our bedroom and we figured now we had a tree to come to. Yeah, we were young. And um, my mom saw the tree and took it and threw it away and said, no, we don't do that. And we were like, oh, my God, why? But what was a result of that inside of me was that everybody else was luckier than I was because Santa went to their house and never came to mine. So that was the beginning of everyone got more than than we did, that everyone got to know Santa and we didn't. So now everyone's better than I am in my mind, different than I am, cooler than I was. But I was little. And then when I realized there was no Santa, I'm like, well, why didn't my parents, you know, sign on to that? But it always made me feel different. Because there was nobody else I knew at the time that didn't have a Santa Claus. So when I took it far back to that, I thought, man, as a kid, look at how we start our own stuff. Isn't that amazing? How we can just be so silly. But that became one of my weaknesses, that I did think that everyone knew something I didn't. And in some ways, that kind of grew into people were better than I was or smarter than I was or more special. So those are things, if you can go back to your earliest time, you will realize that that weakness started from some kind of point of innocence in you. Just some kind of point where you were just a kid, you just didn't know what you didn't know. And something started to formulate. And then as we grow and mature, again, we remember what's missing and not what we had. Like, I remember people telling me how awful their childhood is. And I say, do you remember anything good about your childhood? Do you remember anything good? I just did that with a young man who's in his late 20s. And he was young, and he grew to not ever want to be around his father no matter what. That was a blanket statement. Did not want to be near his dad. Every time the family was going to get together, he'd have anxiety. He would just go off the deep end. And he would dread it from the moment he knew they were all going to get together until right after it was over and done with. And the anxiety he would feel would cause him to get repetitious, like, oh, my gosh, that's all he's focusing on is that event. So one day we got to talking about it, and I said, no one could be that bad. I actually know your dad. He doesn't really even know he's as bad as you think he is. It's his personality 
And I would bet my life that he was that way before you were ever born. And you just now received that behavior and you may not like it, but he's your dad for a reason. But I need you to tell me some good memories that you can remember so that you and your mind can balance this crazy rage against your dad because I don't believe there's balance. Let's at least get it balanced so that you can see why you needed to be upset at your dad. And it turns out he was upset at his father, not because of anything his father actually did to him, which surprised me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, all these things you're talking about that he has done, he has done to other people. And what he ended up believing was that his father was very manipulative in his way of protecting himself from being manipulated because he was in tune to the fact that his father was manipulating others. He decided to put out an all-out points bulletin to say, I am just not going to go near him. That's how I'm going to protect myself. So then when we got to, well, what really happens when you go out with your dad, when you go to a family dinner or something like that happens? And when he started talking, I said, and where in there are you being attacked or manipulated, especially if your antenna is up? of being manipulated. He said, well, he really doesn't do it to me. And I said, could it be because you can see it and he knows that? Do you realize how much respect he must have for you that you can see what's going on and how scary that must be for him? So I did talk to someone who does know the father and I told that person to tell him that this is what's going on. I asked for permission from the son and they did let him know. And so the next family dinner, there was a conversation about not wanting to go see him. And the truth came out and the father was really upset because he could not remember because for him, it was doing business as usual. Yes, he was manipulative. It didn't mean he was a bad person. That was his way of navigating through life. But to punish someone and not understand them is where I was coming from, especially when it's a father. I mean, you can't just not talk to your dad. Our parents are here to push our skills out because we don't consciously know we've chosen them. And so we deal with things because we just are veiled. So there's people we may like or not like, and there's people that we might, you know, not be able to deal with all their baggage because they're not family and how much time do we have in life. But family you have to really deal with. There's always going to be holidays and weddings and occasions for people to get together. So after that first time, the father was totally shocked and went into a depression, even made an appointment to see a psychiatrist to try to understand how he can be perceived this way. 
But once he did, he went back to the son and said, I can't change the past. I'm older now. I'm a kinder version of myself now. And I'm doing my best. But I want to hear the rest of what you have to say. So as the son told him, he said, so all that time, that's why you didn't talk to me. And that's why you didn't want to be around me. Yes. But I feel better now that you know. All the son wanted to do was for his dad to know how he felt. He didn't need his father to agree with him, although his dad did. And he didn't agree with him just to play nice. He really did agree with him. He really did say, yeah, I did used to do stuff like that, but I'm too old for that stuff right now. I don't have the time, space, or energy. And I don't need, I'm out of the business world. I'm now retiring. I don't need to be that forceful, that driven. But I didn't realize it was coming up as what you perceived as manipulation. And maybe it was. But I can't even remember half of the incidences right now. All I can remember is the results. That level of honesty took that weakness of the family. And just two days ago, the son said to me, oh, this is great. We can go out by ourselves now. We just had breakfast together, and I really enjoyed it. And that was a long time coming, just to hear that. But that weakness that was breaking down the fibers of that family, now the two of them are like the strength, the backbone. Because now that there isn't that dreading feeling, that dreading energy going in. And we already know everyone, their truth is on the table. The strength of that family has just exploded. And the side effect of all of that was the son feeling like he can solve things now because he was received with love. He was received with understanding. He had a chance to say what he needed to say. And he wasn't torn down for it. Because yesterday we did the show on trust, and that was one of the biggest issues of why we don't trust as adults, is that we were torn down for what we thought, believed, or said as a child. That's why I wanted to do these shows. So now, let's say we grow up, and we have that weakness. Let's say this boy who didn't get along with his father, he's going to push back on a lot of male figures because he's not going to trust them because of the image he had of his dad. So now what is he doing? He's going out into the world and he's trying to force people that aren't family to trust. Don't you trust me? 
don't you trust me? Because he wouldn't have felt trusted himself or capable. But the fact that this solved, he is going to walk around in our world and see different people that already have gone through facing their fears, their weaknesses. One of the things that I talked to him about was to see yourself without that weakness. Like literally look at what would my life be without that weakness hovering over me. Because the one thing that Christ says is the fact that you pay attention to your weaknesses begins strengthening your stand to face it. The fact that you pay and pay attention to your weaknesses is what begins to strengthen it. And we all are capable, each and every one of us is capable of overcoming weakness. It is not a permanent state. Thank God. But our brain health and our healing comes through the weaknesses we perceive we have. So give them time. Acknowledge them. Talk about them. List them. They may only be one or two, but they spill over into everything. But give your weakness a chance to heal. Guys, I only have 10 seconds left. Have a great Tuesday. I'll see you tomorrow on Relationship Wednesday. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.